Peter Walker here and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Guide. Now we're still in San Diego at the Business Excellence Forum and with me today is Elizabeth McCormack. She is the author of The Pilot Method, a Black Hawk pilot for the US Army. Welcome. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for, being, thanks for having me here. Uh, listen, you know what? Uh, one thing I've got to say, your presentation absolutely rocked. It was great. It was so entertaining. And really, why I was so looking forward to doing this interview, I loved your book. And more importantly, I loved your mindset. Mm. Actually, because very often there's... Listen, when you have super successful people, mm-hmm. they have a certain amount of traits. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of people want the success. See, most people that I know, especially in business, they crave that success. But very few are prepared to do what it takes and what is necessary to actually get what they truly want. And you know what, it was quite amazing in your book when you sort of said, well, you said it yourself, you was a wife. I was a wife. You was an army wife. I was an unemployed army wife. So I was, I had, I was in a situation where I had very limited options. I had very limited options. And so for me, you know, there, there weren't jobs, there wasn't schooling to, to go to graduate school, there wasn't anything I would have normally done wasn't an option. So then you start looking outside the box. What could be an option? What are other things that I could do? And that's when I stumbled, stumbled literally through some research on being a helicopter pilot and that it was a really cool job. But back at the time in a male-dominated world... I had no idea how male-dominated it was. So when I went in in the Army as a pilot, less than 1% of all the pilots were women. Less than one. So we're talking out of two to 300 pilots, one woman. I had no idea. No. I just knew it felt right, so I said, okay. But that's interesting because... Faced with what you were faced with, mm-hmm. so many people would have just quit. Yep. And in your book, I mean, you literally had to put up with some stuff, didn't you? <laughs> so, I, my life was a soap opera for eight years, and I could not figure out why. Because I'm not a drama person. Mm-hmm. I am a get in, get out, get done. And I'm not, I'm not a drama. And I could not figure out why my life was so dramatic all eight years. It was like, I felt like I was pushing a boulder uphill. Everything was a struggle. Everything was a battle. And it wasn't until I started speaking in 2010 and started crafting the speeches I give now that I realized, what would I be talking about? Well, how would I be helping people if I didn't have the stories that help anchor the lessons of what they need to learn? Probably one of my favorite stories actually was, the, was when you first went into your training. And actually, because you were quite a smart ass as well, wasn't you? I. <laughs> maybe. Uh, just a little bit. Just maybe a little, yeah. You know what's funny is I, I was shy, mm-hmm. right? I talk about that in my speech. I was shy growing up and shy, but yet I was so firm in my belief that this is what I was supposed to do, that I kind of became a smart ass. Mm. So are you talking about the smile part? Absolutely. Oh. I mean, that was just hilarious. <laughs> okay, so can we set it up? Absolutely, please okay. do. So, so when I went into basic training, because I don't even talk about this one on stage either. So when I went into basic training, um, you, 
you know, there's the first day you have to dump all your stuff and they have to go through your things and make sure you don't have anything unsafe with you and they check everything. And there's a process and a reason why they do everything. But they, they're standing there and they pull out of my, my bed full of all my things they've dumped out and they found the army officer guide. Well, I'm in basic training where like E1, E2, all the very, very beginning of the entire process. But I know because I've already been accepted into going to the officer training afterwards. So everything's laid out and the drill sergeant finds this book. Now the drill sergeant is a sergeant. What he knew is that at the end of my training, I was getting promoted to his rank, the same as him after eight weeks of training and he's been in for probably eight years. So he was already mad. So I, he holds us up, he's like, oh, you think you're gonna be an officer? Well, I already got accepted. I knew I was gonna be an officer, so I'm like, Yes, I am. That was not a good move. Situationally aware was not very good right then. I learned that in the military, but I became more situationally aware from these situations like that because they, in the Army, the U.S. Army, it's called a smoke. And it's not a cigarette, it's not a cigar. It's your muscles that they make smoke. So you do push-ups until you're in muscle failure, can't do any more, and then they flip you onto your back and you kick your legs in the air until you can't do any more. And then they flip you back to push-ups. And so you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until you're in just, you're just a ball of burnt muscles. <laughs> so it's pretty brutal. And you can imagine how many people would quit after that. Yeah, oh yeah, there were people that quit. They were harder on me. They were harder on me because they knew where I was going. Yeah. And at the time, again, I was like, <sighs> They are picking on me. They are picking on me. And it wasn't until the end of the eight weeks where they made, they put me in charge and they, anytime I did something right, they, they, well, anytime they, I did something wrong, they smoked me. They did the muscle failure. And every time I did something, anyone else who, who, cause I was in charge of our whole platoon of 42 women. Anytime any one of them did something wrong, they smoked me. Mm -hmm. And anytime I did everything right, they smoked me. <laughs> so they were conditioning me. Absolutely, no. Because they knew that next phase of training I was going into, they knew what I didn't know, is that I needed to be conditioned to make it in that next phase of training, and they were right. Yeah, but seeing that's the thing, though, but you didn't give up. And that was the thing. It, uh, and, it's, and business owners all the time, they go through the equivalent of being smoked. Whether it's they get screwed by suppliers or customers, they have bad debts and stuff. I mean, bad, bad decisions. Bad decisions. It's a good bad risks. Work. I mean, there's and and the, you know the thing about business right now is it's so easy to be ADHD. Yeah. Because there's so many things that in business we need to do, and and we look for that quick fix. We look for the well. If I skip all this and go to this, and but. Typically, it doesn't work like that, right? I mean, there might be a few exceptions to that rule, but the, in in general, creating a foundation that you can build on, I mean, that's that's what great businesses and brands and everything are built on is that level of, of foundational success. And if you look at your career, yeah. it was built on really strong foundations. It's built on eight years of being smoked, <laughs> personally, professionally, and mentally. So. And the interesting thing is, did you know at the beginning what you wanted? 
Which part? So, well, do you know when you went into and you wanted to, the to be the So you went into the military and you I, made the decision you wanted to be a pilot. I really, so I knew, but I knew before I even, when I walked into the recruiting station, I was going to be a pilot. I knew it. I, I looked out at the helicopters at that flight line with my fingers gripped on the metal and I saw it. I had a vision. I had a vision of me in a flight suit on the flight line and in my speech I said that still fits thanks to Spanx. You know, I mean, it, it, I saw it, it was so crystal clear. And I think, okay, so this is, this is my, my Christian, my faith that comes out in this part because for me, and I don't tell this part on stage, so you're, this is kind of the behind the scenes part, is I believe that when you're given that kind of level of vision mm-hmm. that is so clear, that it's really a gift from God. Because all things are perfect in God's image and vision. So if you're given a vision, that doesn't come from you, that comes from God. And when you're given that vision, our job is just not to screw it up. But you've got the faith, haven't you? You've got the faith. faith. And actually you've got that unwavering belief, it's going to happen. Yeah, and the thing is, when you have that, Mm. when you trust that vision, that gift you were given, it makes it, it's amazing how opportunities open that you wouldn't normally see mm. because your awareness has shifted in your commitment to that trust. Well, exactly. So, I mean, and you are open to seeing things that you would normally be blind to. Exactly. So as soon as you make the commitment to something that happens, you trust in it and believe in it and you commit to it, then all that stuff that you can take action on opens up. So here's a question for you because you had that faith, etc. Your faith must have been really tested over that training period, especially with that ass of a trainer that you had that just didn't Which, want to teach you. Multiple trainers, I yeah. mean, more than one. So they just didn't yeah, want to the, teach the, you, did the they? Flight instructor, the flight instructor in flight school was so prejudiced. And that was in so, your book. I mean, that was that, that's, yeah, that, that stood out in the book. It was right, right in your face. It was so, and everybody else saw it, and everybody kind of slid it under and, and didn't say anything and let it happen because it was the culture. And you know what's interesting? Again, that's the same in business. It is no different in business. You see, it goes back yes. to you, you You have situations like that and how often do people just put it under the carpet yeah. and just ignore it? Yeah, so let's bring that into business and talk about situations in business. So as, in business, what I see a lot of times is um, there's an issue. Right, mm-hmm. an issue, something happening, a, a issue with a customer, a product, and the thing that's happening right now is I see a lot of businesses say, "Well, we'll just ignore it. Mm-hmm. We'll just put it away. We won't address it. They, nobody will notice, you know, whatever." But right now, more than ever, I talk about how our customers and our consumers are your PR department. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! So we, you know, when when something gets ignored and it's not addressed, it starts becoming viral. It starts becoming passed. And of course, there's lots of data out there that you know something negative will get shared 15 times more than something positive. Well, I'll give you a great example. So I held an event mm-hmm. back in January, hotel and we booked it out, it was a speaking event. And unfortunately, my room didn't have any hot water. Oh. So I went to see the lady in the morning mm-hmm. and said, listen, I, I had no hot water, what can you do? hoping that there was another room that I could have just had a shower in. Find a solution. Guess what the solution was? I'll give you a complaints form. No. Absolutely. So I just politely said to her, you know, you don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah. I have TripAdvisor, Twitter, oh, Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, there are so many places. As, as a business owner, why would you not address something you have the opportunity to? Yeah. But there's more than that. Uh, and it's funny because my next book is all about this topic, actually, that I'm writing right now. It's almost done. It's more than that. It's empowering your employees to make a decision in that moment. So if the hotel manager had empowered that employee that handed you a complaint form exactly. to say, you know what, when, when there's an issue, as long as you do what's right for the customer, I will always have your back. And, and we're not doing that. Yeah, I think we've just totally lost our way. I think yeah. it's all system, system, system. Policy. They're no hiding behind policy. Yeah. And that doesn't help. I mean, yes, you need to have policy. Yes, you need to have. But you also need to have an exception policy. The exception policy. Oh, this is good. I need to write that down. The exception policy is really what you need. Because if you get empower your people to say, you know what, up to this dollar amount, I'm going to give you the, 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 the right to grant an exception to this policy to make a customer happy. How far would that go? Oh. How far would it have gone and said, you know what, we're not sold out. Let's move you to another room. And that's for the what, shower. What I wanted was a shower. Yeah. Or let's say, you know what? We're sold out. Let's let's um, we have a gym that has a shower in it or and a locker room. Have. Or we have a or we have a partnership with a gym down two blocks down. I know it's a little bit far, so why not? But why don't I give them a call and give you a guest pass? Anything. Yeah. Anything would have helped you feel better. Absolutely. Than knowing that you were facing a cold shower and could fill out a form. Yeah, totally. It doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. And most of the time, if we empower employees to do more and, and be involved, have them be involved in the process, and then do an after-action briefing with them when they do grant it. So they say, okay, I, I did an exception, and this is what I did. And then as an employee or a leader, we look at them and say, you know what, the cost of that was this. But our cost of losing a customer, I mean, let's talk about United and their issue last year. Oh, that was just, I mean, I even did a video. In right. honor of United. Right. Uh, I probably will never speak for them because they're a chapter in my book. So about that. But they blew it. Oh, totally. They had an opportunity to do in many different, in many different things. They could have done something just so much better and handled it so much better. And it cost them. Their stock prices plummeted and we have all that data and, and everything. And I mean, they really had an opportunity to do something right. But here's the thing that, ha that to think about. And uh, sometimes I talk about this when I do my speech, when I did that last story and I talk about how with the ice storm um, that we were almost gonna crash and we didn't. Very bottom line story there. Didn't, and we didn't, you have to ride the book to read the whole story. So, but we didn't. I get people coming up to me afterwards. What happened to the other pilot that was gonna do something wrong and crash the helicopter? What happened to him? Did anything happen to him? Did you get a medal? <laughs> Did I get a medal? There are no medals usually for doing what's right. No, there isn't. There's not, and and that's another piece, right? So how do you what? But what you appreciate gets gets repeated. What you reward gets repeated. So why not switch that, right? And you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a medal, but find ways, small ways to appreciate more of the good things that are done instead of always focusing on the negative. 
but that's 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 been the essence of your book. If I take everything, your attitude's always been, but why not? Yeah. It has, hasn't it, really? Why not in a positive way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, of why not when it's something negative? But it's always about finding a better way, a better and and reducing the barriers mm -hmm. to to your greatness. And Jimmy, you read your book, and in all fairness. You actually managed to cultivate a very good career for yourself. Your your mindset and everything allowed you to do great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you had super fun when you were flying your helicopter. I think it was just like a passion for you, wasn't it? It it, it gets in your blood. Yeah, yeah, it was your life. Yeah, yeah, every day. And actually, what really did strike me is you really got hit bad, didn't you? I did. And you didn't really even see that coming. I I had no idea. I, you know, and I look back, so what we're talking about is the, the fact that I was, I was injured and lost my career. There's a whole chapter of the book about the injury and all that, mm. it, under tenacity. And I lost my whole flight career. I will, I will never fly again. And I look back and I think, I wish I had known that was going to be my last flight. You know, I never knew that was my last flight when I flew. So I... I look back and I'm like, oh, I would just savor it. You know, I would have just, I would have taken a picture. I would have done things differently if I had known that was my last fight. But the fact of the matter is, we never know when it's no. our last anything for the most part. We don't. Right? We really don't. So why not be more present? I think it really helped shift me mm -hmm. into being so much more present into what I do now and what I do day to day. And, and kind of, it's that savoring that moment and that, that you're in right now. Uh, and I think that kind of help that but I will tell you finding out that you will never fly again when you join the military as a pilot to be a pilot I it was pretty dark yeah and it was I, a dark time and I can relate to that because I know so many clients I've had over the years where they've just lost everything yeah. and actually what happened to you is no different oh, it is losing everything I mean if you think about it, I wasn't just losing my flight career I lost because I couldn't fly I really, they tried to keep me in and not fly, but I joined to fly. So I had no other job, no other training. I had no, I had, you know, my college, but I didn't really have anything else. So I lost yeah. my identity. I lost my job. I lost my future I had planned, which was to go into the airlines and do all this other stuff. My, it was like a, it was like an eraser came in my life and went, you're all erased. Absolutely. Blank slate. Guess what? You can do anything. Or you could do nothing. And this is where actually lessons are to be learned. Because you could have just, you know, what, been really sort of little miss self pity. I was. Yeah, no. but you could have just stayed there, you know what I mean? I was. I so was many, for a while. But so many people just never get out of it. I, not, many not many people are able to just say, okay, you know what, this has happened. It took a while. Mm. So I think, you know, I think when you in, you're in those situations, you also need to be really kind to yourself. So how did you get through it? What, what, what advice can you give people? Because I know there's people out there that during a the recession, they've lost their business. Yeah. Listen, there's another recession coming, whether it's two or three years, the cycle's yeah. coming you know, again. The fact of the matter is, there's always a recession. Absolutely. There is always a recession coming. And did you know what? Guess what? People made money during recessions. Absolutely. It's all a matter of attitude and, and, and how positioning and how you, you leverage the opportunities you're given when you're in. They're just different opportunities during a recession than not. So uh, what, which Who point? decides that? <laughs> hey. So I, you know, advice. 
So the first thing I would say for advice is, is be kind to yourself. Like, get, take care of yourself physically first. And when you take care of yourself physically, the emotions start rebounding. So a lot of times we get depressed, we don't eat right, we don't sleep right, we stop exercising, all those things that really then create this like spiral of descent, right, into further depression. And so, so control the things you can control. Focus on the things you can control. So for me, um, I was injured and I had no job and I had, you know, the situation I was in, what can I control? I went and got a job for somebody else. I worked a J-O-B and I worked for a paycheck and I put my head down and I did the best I could every single day in that job and ended up getting promoted three times three times in five years and became the top the highest female manager that company had in the world and and my boss was younger than me and it was I wasn't getting promoted any higher so I knew it was time for me to change I got headed to another company they were doing some unethical stuff I ended up getting headed to another company you know so I worked a job and then it was funny because when I got ended up with a third company is when I, I realized I was physically healed because I was also became more aware. I sh it shifted my awareness, how I know, okay, I, I think I'm over being hurt. I mean, I was bitter, I was angry, I was upset. I went through all the state, whatever those stages of grief were, grief were, I went through them all. And you go through that and that's okay. But if I had been mad at myself for going through the stages of grief, well, that's just more negative. Yeah, you'd have been stuck there. Yeah, it, it sticks to you there. So, okay, so breathe, release. You know what? I can't change this, this, or this, but this is what I can change. So focusing on the things you can do, taking care of yourself physically, being kind to yourself and forgiving yourself for being in that situation. It doesn't do any good to, to figure out on it. And then I sat down with paper and said, what can I learn? What is it telling me? I mean, for me to be injured the way I was injured, um, it was completely preventable. It shouldn't have happened. I need, so what did I learn from it? I need to be a better advocate for my own health. Mm -hmm. I need to be a better advocate in my life. Why was I not speaking up that something wasn't right? Well, because I thought the military was gonna take care of me. <laughs> Let's just have a laugh, it's okay. So because they, they, they obviously didn't. They didn't have my best interests at heart, so I didn't know that. No. So now I know, so now I'm going to take care of me. So it forced me to be in a more responsible place and state, to be more aware that I need to be that person that picks up the phone and asks, and I need to be that person who's going to take a step further. So I learned everything I could from it, and then I just let it go. And you went through this period of transition where you work for other people. Yeah. When did you have your second bit of clarity? Because really the path you're on now uh -huh. is any enthusiasm and everything you've got for what you do now is very similar yeah. to what you had when you when first... When I was flying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Not so much for the carpet job, but yeah. <laughs> I look. I really looked at that as a healing time. And you know... Um, but when did you I know that this was going to be your path? So I started speaking. Um, so when, my, when I had my third job, it was only five minutes from my house. So I was finally, for the first time, not commuting a distance, and I was able to get involved in my community. It's a beautiful thing. So I started volunteering and getting involved in my community and my kids' school and the things that, you know, that I was fortunate being so close to be able to do on my lunch hour or after work. 
And in one of a converse, random conversation with someone, um, they had found out I was a veteran in the military and asked me what I did. And I said, oh, I was a helicopter pilot. And they're like, <laughs> so here's the thing. I didn't even realize that it was really that big of a deal. <laughs> so because everyone I knew was pilots. Everyone was a pilot, right? When you're in that unit of 200 pilots, everybody's a pilot. Absolutely. So you're not a big deal. And then I come home and I never told anybody. <laughs> I didn't say anything because I was again I was in that healing mode I didn't want to talk about it I yeah. didn't want to I was still processing and healing and physically and mentally and and so by the time I got you know to that point where I'm finally feeling better and then I was talking about it they're like so somebody told the newspaper the newspaper comes and does a big article for me for Veterans Day I ended up on the front page of the paper sweet well I get start my phone starts ringing will you come speak to our youth group Will you come speak to our church group, our Boy Scouts, our Girl Scouts, our, our all kinds of... And I'm working a corporate job. So I'm like, I'm booked. I'm busy. I can't. And if I could, I would. Yeah. And then I get the one phone call. I said, I'm sorry, I'm already booked. I'm working my corporate job, but I was booked. And they're like, well, we'll pay you. You can get paid to do this? I mean, I followed Zig Ziglar and some of this, but mm -hmm. I didn't... Think of me in that way, and and I'm like, we'll pay you. And I'm like, really? What will you pay me? And they told me, and I started doing the math, comparing to working in a job. And I went, this could be interesting. Okay, so I made I made arrangements, and I did that that job for my first check. And I thought, and my husband goes, I think you can do this. My keeper husband, by the way. I said, I think you could do this. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, hmm. I'll, I'll think about it. I made a very good living in my corporate job. So I said, I'll think about it. Three months later, the CEO of that corporation comes into a big division level meeting, 250 people in our division, comes in, throws up a PowerPoint, slide one, state of the economy. This was January, 2009. Not good. Slide two, you're all laid off. Laid off 250 people with a two page PowerPoint. Everybody was upset. Everybody's, people were screaming, crying. Thank you. And I went, I know what I'm supposed to do. So that created, so it took another tragedy, right? Another loss, another thing. But instead of, like my first one when I lost my flight career, it was, it was, but I was also physically injured in that time. It was a lot harder to deal with. And the other one was a release. This is what I'm supposed to do. It was, the decision was taken from me. Absolutely. And I already had it right in front of me. Of what I was supposed to do. And would you say today you have that passion and that vision that you had when you touched your helicopter? It's a different vision, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know what? Yeah, a couple, a couple years in, a couple years in of speaking, and you know, in the first year I didn't. I kind of was playing at it, I call mm -hmm. it, you know, figuring it out, learning. Um, and I'm glad I did it. I, I should have gotten more serious sooner. I wish I'd started sooner. Um, but timing is divine, right? And so about two years after that, uh, I had a, like a kind of a visioning with my husband. We did some visioning. And what we did is we went separate and we wrote 25 year visions for, for our family, our marriage, our home, the whole like package, right? What does our job look like? What is everything? So then, then we came back together and we compared. And his was, um, at the time we were helping my dad with a construction company and he was working a corporate job. He was doing both. And at the time, he's like, I built this construction company, and I did this, this, this. And I looked at him, I'm like, 
you hate the construction. <laughs> you hate it. You complain about it all the time. You hate it. And he goes, well, I can't put on here that I helped you with your business. And I'm like, why not? Why, why can't you? And he goes, well, don't I have to have my own thing? And I'm like, aren't we doing this together? I mean, we vision separate just so that we can have the good conversations. Because if you do it together, one's going to dominate yeah. more than the other. So we did it separate. We brought it together and we started comparing. And, and he's like, yeah, I just really want to help you. Because he goes, you, you've got someone. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. And this is the second time you've got something. Mm -hmm. Both times along the way. How much sacrifice have you needed to make? Oh, there's all kinds of sacrifices, right? There's different t levels of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the military, I sacrificed my personal um, identity because you become and conform into what they need you to be in the military, and you become second. Yeah. You're basically property. Uh, now, I, I mean, now it's more time, and what I've come to realize is that our, our two most valuable resources are how we spend our time and how we spend our money. And of the two, I can make more money. Hmm. I can't get my time back. So time has become really precious. And when you do have it, you value it? Yeah, I value it hugely. But so like when I, when, um, you know, I'll, I speak all over the world and I, and I travel a lot and I usually average two to three events a week and people are like, oh, what about your family? And I'm like, I do this for my family. It is a sacrifice, but they're on board. So again, exactly. it comes back to that visioning, right? That mm. visioning that my family's included in and now our children are included in. And, and we sit down together and we're like, okay, if I take this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity, it means I'm not gonna be here during this, 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 and this, but we'll be able to do this. So we'll be able to go to the Fiji Islands over Christmas and have a great vacation. You know, we'll be able to do some other things. If you get your family involved in the process, if you get your family and they are a part of your vision for your, your future, the family, themselves, and you have those conversations with them and include them, I think it can prevent a lot of what we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. That angst and the, the resentment and the pressure for why you spend the time that you do in your business. And very often when we start clients off, we, we, don't, we never ever coach a client unless we do an alignment day. Mm -hmm. And normally that alignment day involves the spouse. Mm -hmm. It has to involve them because as you said, it's that journey, it's just making sure that they understand the sacrifice that's needed, what's gonna happen, what the end goal looks like. And nine times out of 10, the spouse is very supportive once they get the full picture and they know things are gonna get better. Right, and having that clear vision Going wow, we talked way in the beginning about that—that that clear vision yeah. of what that can, what that's going to look like. And once they see that, it's easier to accept that. Absolutely, that's a good one. Can you write that down? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> We're going to do that. Did we miss here? There oh, we go. Let's there go. go. All right. So yeah, I think it's really important. And I would, and I would even say, you know, if the children are older, get them involved in some of the alignment and the vision, and have it be communicated to them, because then, you know they aren't going to resent or, yeah. or be a hindrance or, or they'll understand when, hey, you know, mom or dad has to go go do a business trip or come to, you know, the Business Excellence Forum Awards, you know, be somewhere and not be at their, their hockey game or their, you know, their sporting activities or whatever that is, that, a play or whatever it comes in their life. So there's a greater level of understanding if they understand the bigger picture. 
So let's talk to the let's let's talk about the pilot method. Mm, my book. Let's talk about your book and actually the relevance of the pilot method to business. Oh yes. So I wrote pilot method uh, for general purpose. I wanted it for personal development as well as professional development. So it goes through the basic acronym of PILOT. The P is for potential, believing in yourself, your abilities, your potential, because if you don't believe in it and stand firm in it and confident in it, how are other people going to buy? Ever See, there is such a confidence crisis in this world, right? People are not confident. And I believe if you show up really confident, it's attractive to other people because they want it. Mm. What are you doing? How are you showing up? And they, they automatically gravitate to people who are confident because, uh, not, not arrogant, confident, because they want part of that. There's actually a fantastic book on that called The Charisma Myths. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that too. So I, I liken it to back to P is all about potential. Believing in your own potential, creating that potential zone where you are believing in what's possible in a positive way. And then the I is implementation because it doesn't do any good to believe in it if you don't do something with it. L is the simple framework for leadership. Communicate, aviate, navigate. How you communicate, how you take action, and how you vision and plan for the future. And O is optimal performance because if you are sick and not at your best, does it affect everything else? Totally. Absolutely does. It affects your attitude. It affects your outcomes. Everything ties into having an optimal performance. And then the T, the final one, is what we've talked about, tenacity. So, and I had a big heaping dose of that. So You have. And do you know what? It is that tenacity. It is being able to just, you know, get through the barriers, get through the roadblocks, get through the disappointment and push through mm -hmm. and actually have that success. Yeah, it is. It's all about how you show up when things are hard. Absolutely. And I really believe that's what defines people. It's, we're not defined by just our success. We're defined by how we show up and push through when others wouldn't. And the one thing I would say, I mean, I totally highly recommend your book. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, your keynote this was fantastic. One, this there's the one. <laughs> I mean, one. your keynote was fantastic. But it didn't go into the depth that your book goes into. And it really, you actually bear your soul in this book. And it really shows the journey. Nothing, see, a lot of people out there, they're so content driven all the time. Yeah, I need content, content, content. Well, sometimes you just got to forget content. Sometimes you've got to get a book that will give you context. Actually, you know what shit happens in life? We get knocked back. We have challenges. It's how we deal with it how we move forward, how we progress, how we achieve our dreams. So it's a fantastic book. It's available both in paperback and on audio, so there's no excuse not Kindle, to read it. Kindle, Audible, I'm everywhere. It's okay. <laughs> and you've got a YouTube channel as oh, well. Oh, YouTube. So you're everywhere. So, so I have the pilotmethod.com site. I have pilotspeaker.com for speaking. And then I have a... It's It's... We're always tweaking and making it better. We're loading a bunch of content on a new site called Soar to Success with a number two. So Soar, S-O-A-R, to success.com. And that site has got a bunch of training on leadership issues, public speaking, things that I've learned, and all kinds of different uh, ideas and tips and tricks. So there you have it. So much for you to learn, so much for you to do. Now, if anything you can relate to today and you're interested in more information, want to speak about it, Head over to booker.com, get in contact, 
All of Elizabeth's details are going to be on the website anyway, so you can just go straight to her website, get in contact with her as well. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.